Battle of the Breaches, reviewing recent cybersecurity threats. It's November 14th, 2023. I'm Scott Slay, and you're listening to Sky High Security Cloudcast. At its heart, security is a data protection problem, and it's difficult to protect data that's everywhere. Throughout the fabric of devices, the web, cloud applications, infrastructure, and among users. This creates security gaps. That's why we are here. Learn what it takes to defend your data. Welcome to Cloudcast. Throughout 2023, we've seen several high-profile data leaks and cyber attacks targeting retail, manufacturing, finance, healthcare, government, and energy organizations come to light. In this episode of Cloudcast, we'll explore two data breaches and dig deeper into one of the most significant recently reported data leaks to determine if they could have been prevented through the use of more robust cybersecurity practices. Our guest for this episode is Terry Kellerman, Systems Engineer for Sky High Security. How are you doing, Terry? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you today, Scott? I'm great. Thanks for asking. If you've been browsing any news feeds lately, there's a pretty good chance you've come across one, if not many, articles and reports about high-profile data breaches or data leaks that have been reported by any number of companies, organizations, or governments. So it's no big surprise that, according to the Identity Theft Resource Center, the IRTC, as of September of this year, the total number of data breaches and leaks in 2023 has already surpassed last year's numbers. Terry, what are a few of the examples of some of the biggest data breaches and leaks that have been reported over the past couple of years? Three of the big ones that, that made the news. The first um, was LastPass. LastPass is a password management company, a very famous, very popular um, they were breached a, a little over a year ago, August of 2022, um, was their first breach. It, it, it continues today, the ripple effects, which we'll, we'll get into in a minute. MoveIt is probably the second most famous breach that has happened recently. It affected hundreds of different organizations across the globe. Um, many news articles about it because of, of how many millions of people it affected. And the last one wasn't quite as big, but it was um, a great learning experience for all of us as AI, artificial intelligence, starts to become more of a topic in cybersecurity. And that is the Samsung data leak. Now, this the last one was not a breach. It was a data leak. And we'll get into the difference between the two um, when we talk about Samsung. Um, but that one certainly wasn't huge, but it was a great learning experience for all of us um, and, and allowed us to increase our AI knowledge and usage um, in the cybersecurity world. Well, beginning with the first one, LastPass, tell me what exactly happened, how many people were affected, what exactly went on there? Yeah, so LastPass, the breach happened in two parts. Um, The first was August 2022. Um, The second one was around December 2022, so a little over or a little under a year ago. They affected about 33 million of their users. Basically, all their user accounts were compromised on the commercial side. And this included encrypted passwords, usernames, unencrypted data, such as websites that customers were accessing. That's important because those can be then used in phishing attacks. Um, A lot of personal data was uh, stolen and leaked through that last pass breach. When you read the articles about it and why it was so famous, um, 
the overarching theme of all the articles was this is about as bad as it gets. It was a very bad breach. And to LastPass's credit, they were very open about their investigation. They were very open about what happened. So they published often on their blog, which allowed us to um, follow along their investigation and really learn about what happened. It helped their customers protect themselves. Um, you know, they were very well informed and allowed us in the cybersecurity world to learn from what happened so that we can better um, serve our customers and understand these security gaps. So that does help when companies like LastPass are so open and upfront about breaches and what they're experiencing. In essence, that helps companies like Sky High Security to be able to detect and handle future breaches similar to that. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. It was, um, you know, to LastPass's credit, it's terrible that it happened, but to their credit, they were very open and honest. Um, and that, that helps them remediate the situation and it helps all of us really in the cybersecurity world get better. What exactly happened with LastPass? How did the breach occur? Yeah, so the first breach that happened in August of 2022, yeah, so it started with a LastPass employee working from home on their managed laptop. This was a laptop provided to them by, by LastPass that had all the security features installed on it, ones that you would you would always see on a corporate laptop, endpoint detection response systems, things of that nature. Um, we will say, and LastPass was honest about that, that was actually tampered with during the breach and they did not notify LastPass that something bad was occurring. Um, so that's important to note that as much as endpoint security is very important to your security stack, it can't be your only line of defense. Um, in this case, in particular, it, it was disabled. Um, during the breach. So the bad actor, he was able to, according to LastPass, he was able to um, tailgate into a VPN session that this remote user was using to log into their corporate network in order to do their work. Um, and th that first part of the breach makes me pause because VPN is a, it's a very useful tool that has been used for decades for remote workers to be able to access um, corporate data to be able to do their work from home or from a hotel or wherever you're, you're traveling or working from. In the past, it worked well because most people worked inside the network, um, you know, inside the corporate office, we all drove into work. And then there was a, some people that worked outside, traveling salesmen, other people. Um, but what we found, you know, with COVID, with everybody working from home, with that VPN really was not a good solution, um, performance-wise, cost-wise. Um, it started to show its weaknesses during COVID with so many people working from home. But one of the biggest weaknesses of VPN is that it gives too much access to the corporate network. It reminds me of, and this might show my age, but the old days where we could only shop at shopping malls, for example. Um, like you didn't have Amazon, you couldn't just buy stuff online. You actually had to drive to a shopping mall and let's say I just needed shoes. In order to access the shoe store, I had to get access to the entire mall. So I walk inside the entire mall, I go to my shoe store. Well, now I have access to GameStop, to the food court, to the lotion kiosk, you know, whatever you want. It's all in there, even though I just need shoes. Um, VPN is similar. You're, you're logging into VPN to access one particular application um, in, in your, inside your corporate network in order to do your job. But now you've got access to the entire corporate network, more or less. Um, that, that you don't need in order to do your job. And bad actors know this, and they've exploited this vulnerability through VPN with 
many different breaches that we've seen um, over the past. But in LastPass in general, so what happened? LastPass, so the, the bad actor was basically able to tailgate through that VPN session that that remote user was using um, into the corporate network. At Sky High Security, we have embraced um, the, the zero trust theology. We have a um, zero trust product called Private Access that replaces VPN for private applications. So in this case, it's a good idea for companies, even at this very first part of the breach, for companies or users, customers, whoever, to just kind of take a pause and say, did this user actually need VPN access? Did they need access to the entire corporate network to do what they were doing? Were they, you know, an HR person that just needed access to their HR software? You know, things of that nature. It's it's a good time to pause and say, do we need VPN for everything? Can we switch to private access, zero trust, like it's offered at Sky High Security, um, to narrow down that access so that when that person, you know, goes to do their work from working from home or Starbucks or a hotel or wherever, they're only logging into that one application. They're not getting access to everything. Um, and then at Sky High, we take it one step further. Actually, we have a zero pass architecture. So not only do we have access control, they are allowed access to their one application that they need or two or three. Um, we also send them through malware scanning, DLP scanning, isolation scanning if needed, you know, depending how you set up your policies. Um, so there's a lot you can do if, if you're not using VPN to protect your private applications, limit access to them, um, and actually apply, you know, stronger security controls over them. So even at the very first step of this last pass breach, there was a lot we could learn from it um, and stop to think, is, is there something we could do differently here? Um, but in this case, you know, VPN's obviously very popular. It's, it's, it's around, it's, you know, the replacement of it is going gonna, is gonna to be slow. But um, so in this case, it was still being used. And the bad actor tailgated through that VPN session into the corporate network, and they accessed a cloud dev environment. Um, and in this case, they were able to steal uh, source repositories and technical documentation. So basically, they had access to the toy store at the mall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for a bad actor, that's, yes. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's a toy store for any bad actor, I'm sure. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. Um, so they stole, you know, a source repository, technical documentation. Um, one thing to, to kind of remember here, and, and we'll get into this later in, in the talk, but it didn't seem that bad when this breach first happened in August of 2022. It did not seem that bad because of what they stole was not customer data. And that's one thing, you know, LastPass reported, hey, it's not customer data, it's just internal company information. But what we learned as as when the second breach happened in December, which was really bad, which where we lost all the customer data, they used this information that they stole from the first breach to facilitate that second breach, which was much worse. Um, so it's any any proprietary information is very valuable to the customer, and it really needs to be protected as much as possible. We don't know what cl cloud dev environment they were using. Um, it you know, that we really can't say. Um, one thing I can say at Sky High, we have API integrations with um, GitHub for business, for example. And that's a, you know, that's a cloud dev environment where people put a lot of source code, things of that nature. So if you're going to use a cloud dev environment before you purchase one, it, you have to ask the question, okay, we're going to use this cloud dev environment. How are we going to secure it? And it's not good enough, honestly, to just use the security provided by the cloud dev environment it's generally not good enough to use the security provided by the cloud dev environment alone because 
you're you're then asking the compromise system to do their own checks. You know, it's better to have a third party that's not compromised looking into that data, you know, monitoring the data, monitoring the user activity, reporting any anomalies, things like that that we do here at Sky High um, in order to to monitor for things like this. We cannot say that if, if they were using GitHub for Business and we had our API integration with that, that, that we could have prevented that data from being stolen. We definitely cannot say that here, um, being full transparent. But just to point out, when you when you do your work here in the cloud, it's very important not only to, to buy with a reputable vendor that has um, some built-in security there, but also have a third party watching over your data as well. So this first one felt more like a proof of concept, you know, just to, to see if they could do it. And then they took it to the next level. So that first attempt didn't erase all the alarms. Mm -hmm. But tell me about this second attempt, actually successful attempt. Yeah, exactly. So the first attempt, um, you know, what they sold was was valuable. We just didn't know quite how valuable until December 22 rolled around. Um, so on the second part, the the engineer working from home, and, and let's start out with the scenario where they were working from their home PC, their, their personal PC. They had downloaded a piece of streaming software called Plex that had a vulnerability in it. Now, LastPass did not call out and say Plex was definitely the software where the, the vulnerability existed, where the breach occurred. Most sources that I have read do say um, Plex was the source of this, and Plex themselves did admit to some vulnerability that was fixed two years prior um, that could have caused this breach. So it's most reputable sources do say Plex, but I just want to point out that LastPass did not post that on their official blog about this breach. But it was a free cloud software product. Exactly. So with Plex, they had a vulnerability and two years ago, and that's important to note, the vulnerability was discovered two years ago um, through their camera upload feature that would allow bad actors to perform remote code execution. And in this case, what they did was installed keylogger software on this engineer's PC. Um, so they were able to copy their password then when they logged into work. What's interesting to note is the vulnerability was fixed two years ago. And this is the dangerous part about using a home PC to log into this level of, of activity, you know, depending on what access you have in the, in the company. Because how many of us remember what we downloaded two years ago on our home PCs? And are we keeping them all updated? Are we researching the different patches and the vulnerabilities and, and everything that happens with all this free software that we download on our home PCs? If you're talking about using your home PC to do work, you have to have certain security in places in order to prevent um, certain access from going from your home PC to that corporate network, to those, those corporate assets. Um, in this case, so let's say for, with Sky High Security, our approach, for example, we have a, a, a means to distinguish between an unmanaged and a managed device. If, if the access is coming from somebody's home PC or somebody's corporate PC, and depending on who is accessing this corporate assets, we can apply different security measures uh, to that to that user at that time. Um, so if, if you're coming from a home PC, we, we know that people often have vulnerable software on their home PC. So we're going to increase our security measures, decrease their access, what they're allowed to access from their home PC, for example. Um, things of that nature to, to take into account that we understand that people want to work from 
their own devices, but there needs to be additional security measures added in order to do so safely. And that's our approach here at Sky High. Um, in this particular case, you know, um, as I mentioned, they installed the keylogger software, got the password. Um, once they had the password, they used that access and decryption keys to access the storage buckets from um, LastPass was using Amazon's S3 storage buckets. From what we can tell in the research that we did with LastPass, they had all the correct security features on their S3 buckets. It was locked down as it should be. Um, you know, according to, to Amazon, you know, S3 buckets are, are from the viewpoint of Amazon, the user coming in is legit, right? He's using stolen credentials. So they don't know it's somebody who's, who's not legit, basically. And actually, he was in there, um, I, I believe I read, for several months before he was caught because the bad actor was doing legitimate things inside that IM role um, in Amazon that did not raise any flags. Next, let's talk about Move It. Yep. Yeah, so Move It was this year, several months back. Um, this one This one hit the news pretty hard because... It affected a lot of people. So it, it, over 140 organizations, I think it was a lot more than that when the, when the dust cleared. Um, they exposed data from over 15 million different people. One example was 3.5 million Oregon driver's license holders had their information exposed. 6 million Louisiana residences, different finance clients. I mean, it went on and on and on. Um, re- research shows that the average breach costs about $4.5 million, and it's, it's hard to determine the exact dollar amount for this one, but it will probably far exceed that just because of the, the how far, how many customers it did affect. Because they're still calculating what all it did affect, and it's even still being reported on recently about new instances being detected. Right, exactly. It um it affected a lot of people, and it's um, one that will definitely be felt for a while, I believe. So it affected so many different verticals. When you talk about 140 different organizations, we're talking about financial services, uh, mm-hmm. government, retail. Mm-hmm. It was a wide swath of companies attacked mm-hmm. it, with Healthcare. this breach. Yep. Healthcare, yeah. exactly. So there's a lot of PII that got compromised at that point. Mm-hmm. Yep. People's um, full names, social security numbers, date of birth, home addresses, things you don't want out leaked. Um, it was unfortunately stolen during this breach. And what exactly, how was it exactly compromised? So the move, the move it breach started with a SQL injection and SQL injections are, is a hacking method that's been around for a long time and, and coders and engineers, they know how to protect against SQL injections. Um, but it, it, you know, as we see in, in move it, it still pops up from time to time. And so SQL is a programming language that is used by databases to send commands to the database to tell it to do something. Normally, it's, it's good commands, right? Write to this table, delete this information. It's, it's commands that the database needs to know to do its, to do its job. Um, with SQL injections, the bad actors move commands into the database to have it do something that it's not supposed to do. Um, in this case, they used a SQL injection to steal API tokens and then use those API tokens to gain escalated privileges to the server um, where they were able then to... Um, move around and start um, adding their malware to the server. Um, and let me just say, um, 
this was a very sophisticated breach. It took a lot of time from what we can understand by from the bad actors that did this. It took a lot of time um, and, and a lot of resources in order to find this and then exploit it. Um, so it, it certainly is something you don't hear as much anymore because we're so familiar with SQL injections and engineers are good at, at making sure they don't happen. But you know, as we see here, it does still happen from time to time. So next, we're going to talk about the one that probably will be felt in the future much more than any of the others. And that is the Samsung data leak that had to do with OpenAI's chatbot. Tell me about exactly what happened here because we're still hearing about this in the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Samsung data leak um, happened you know, several months back in 2023. And this one is a data leak, um, different from a data breach. This was not a bad actor coming in. This was um, employees, Samsung employees on the inside, allowing data to be leaked out. Um, and it's an important distinction between the two because I feel like breaches get more news time. They're a little more scandalous, a little more exciting to talk about and to read about, I guess. Um, but data leaks can be even more dangerous, honestly, than, than data breaches because they probably happen more frequently, if I had to guess. And if we look back to the last pass breach, the first part of that, they stole information that they didn't think was that bad. It was just company, company information, insider information. Well, they used that information to facilitate the second breach, which was really bad and affected all their customers. So it's, just, it's the same thing when you look at the Samsung data leak. Yeah, maybe it doesn't look so bad. It's just a little bit of data getting out there. But that little bit of data getting out there, you, it can get into the hands of bad actors, which can, can use that to facilitate a bigger breach. Or it could get into the hands of your competitors, which could uh, lose your edge in the marketplace, which today can be very bad. Um, so data leaks, even though they might not be as, as scandalous to talk about as breaches, they're, they're very important to, to understand and to be able to prevent. And the good thing about data leaks is that's your environment. So you have complete access over, or you, you should have complete access and control over your data if you have the right security solutions in place in order to prevent these data leaks. Um, so in the Samsung one, for example, you know, ChatGPT hit us all by a storm. Like it, it just kind of hit us all over the head. All of a sudden it was just there. And we're all, you know, kind of spinning like, what is this? What is this tool? Can I use it? Can it really be as great as everybody's saying? So, of course, we're all going to get on there and try it. You know, it's just so popular. We're just going to do it. So the Samsung employees, there was three that we know of, um, two uploaded source code. The first engineer asked for um, ChatGPT to check the source code for errors. The second one asked for ChatGPT to optimize their code. And the third employee uploaded uh, meeting notes. They wanted to convert the notes um, for a presentation. So basically what these three uh, employees did, uh, you know, not trying to do anything malicious or harmful to the company, but they um uploaded proprietary information about the company into ChatGPT. And the reason why that's dangerous is because by default, ChatGPT has turned on a history and learning feature. So it will take whatever data you put in there and it trains on it and it becomes part of its whole AI machine learning process um, to better answer other questions that people are asking. Um, so it's, you know, your, your proprietary information and data is now out there and there's no way to bring that back in once people start doing this in ChatGPT. So these developers might have asked ChatGPT how to handle certain source code. And this source code was used for measuring semiconductor equipment, if I'm not mistaken. So 
ChatGPT in the future takes that in, uses that in its machine learning. And so when you or I jump on there and say, you know, uh, can you clean up this source code for something that I'm working on, uh, a semiconductor monitoring software, it, it basically is going to have semiconductor info from Samsung and be like, here, mm-hmm. here's what, you know, worked in another place. And it just so happens to be sensitive company data like you're talking about. That's exactly right. So it's very, very important to understand AI, understand how your employees are using it and prevent any data leaks from from this happening. It's, it's very, very important for companies to take this seriously. Um, Samsung, for example, their solution was to limit the number of characters people can put in. So if you limit it, let's say to 150, nobody's copying and pasting source code um, that, you know, would, would exceed that character limit. That could be any kind of information that um, ChatGPT or any of the AI services. You know, we, we focus on ChatGPT, but our CASB actually has found over 600 AI services in use today. Um, so it, it's widespread. There's different um, protections we can apply for ChatGPT. So like you mentioned, LastPass shared a lot of this information via their blog. It's important for podcasts like this one to put that information out there. So you can, as an IT or cybersecurity professional, you have as much available data to utilize when you're trying to address your security concerns. Yes, absolutely. It's These breaches and data leaks are very unfortunate. They're very costly. Um, you know, this, this is people's livelihoods, you know, it affects real people. Um, but what we can do is at least learn from them, at least bring some good out of it by learning where these security gaps are, comparing them to our own environments, and then, and then shoring up our security protocols. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have today. I know we've just barely broke the surface on a lot of these breaches and data leaks. Terry, I greatly appreciate you coming in to speak with me today and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Scott. It was great to be here. And that's it for this episode of Sky High Security Cloudcast. Once again, I want to thank my guest, Terry Kellerman. You can find Terry on LinkedIn. URL is in the show notes. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and will subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. For more information about the podcast or Sky High Security's cloud security solutions, please visit skyhighsecurity.com.